Hello, and welcome to the Horrendous Podcast, Best Friend Podcast, that Elizabeth's grandparents give two thumbs up. Awesome. All put together, (laughs) and apparently they have listened to every episode now. Oh, that's awesome. I think my mom still hasn't listened to anything past episode two or three. That tracks for me. No, my Mima had some notes for me. Yeah. <laughs> she said, well, first of all, when you are apologizing to me, I noticed you don't apologize to your grandpa <laughs> for cussing. And to which I responded, well, to be fair, he knows that I am an unruly monster. He accepts me and loves me nonetheless. <laughs> And she said, and I don't. I said, no, no, you do. You do. However, (laughs) you're still going to tell me it's unladylike. So I still need to apologize to you. (laughs) And she laughed and said, yeah, that's true. So they, yes, my grandpa got on the phone. He's not a talker. He doesn't like to talk on the phone. And he gets on the phone. He's like, I just want to tell you that I think you guys do a really good job. And it's very well put together. And I'm very proud of you. To which my first thought was, Oh, and then my second thought was, he thinks the sun shines out my ass. So, like, he's going to say it's great no matter what. (laughs) Actually, that's not true. He's pretty honest. So, he would tell me if it was shit. But he would tell me in the nicest possible. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Thanks for the support, guys. Yeah, me, mom, grandpa. I know, now that I know you're going to be listening to this, I will, one... (sighs) Tone it down on the F word. Everything else, I can't make any guarantees. Okay? I love you both, and I'm so sorry. Okay? And two, I don't think there's a number two. It's basically, Meemaw, yes, I will try to keep the F word to a very, very minimum. Okay? So, for me, I don't cuss in front of my mom. I let a few words slip here and there if I'm repeating someone or if I'm really, really mad. But... When she listened to the last or the first couple of episodes, she was like, I didn't realize you cuss so much. <laughs> well, you know, you are a more respectful child than I am. <laughs> My poor grandparents saddled with this trash human of a granddaughter. Oh, stop talking about my best friend that way. Unladylike, uncouth, wild, feral. I can agree with those. But I wouldn't say uh, trash or garbage. Yeah, okay. I'm definitely not trash, but yeah, feral, wild, you know, it's okay. <laughs> What's new with you? I've been reading Midnight Sun. <gasps> <laughs> How is it? Terrible. <laughs> okay, that was a given. What are Edward's thoughts on Bella? At first, he hated her. Like, fucking hated her. I'm like, I. He should have. He should have kept that same energy because she's the worst. She is. So according to Alice and her visions, Mm -hmm. if Edward wouldn't have come back after he left the first time, Mm -hmm. he would have eventually came back and hunted her. Like there was no way around it because he just like desired her blood that much but since he came back i think it would have made for a much better movie yes (laughs) so here's the thing i i have to appreciate that stephanie meyer was able to 
create this world out of Mormon uh, abstinence. Yes. And what have you and make a bajillion dollars doing it. You go, girl. However, in the process, she set a precedent for these very boring, vanilla, no personality main female protagonists. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So, like, the most interesting thing about Bella is that her mind can't be read. But she's just as easily manipulated. Yeah. It's not a love story. It's Stockholm Syndrome. And Edward asked her what her favorite movies were. She said, blah, 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 blah. One of them was Mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, yep, that makes sense. (laughs) Well, thank you for saving me the trouble of... Like, is it only, like, so, okay, one more. I guess we'll touch on this just a little bit more. Okay. So, is it only the his perspective, like, the first book, or is it his perspective? The book is so goddamn long that I had to Google if it was just the first book. And? It's just the first book. Oh. Yeah, it's not... I'm a completionist, though, so... And apparently... She, You'll finish it. She has date me next week. She has two more Twilight books planned. And I'm like, the Why? only person I care about is Alice. I love Alice. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think Jackson's kind of was kind of interesting too. Jasper? Oh yeah. Jackson's the guy who plays him. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Jasper was a little interesting. But how I started reading the Twilight books, I was way behind everyone. Everyone. So was I. Like, I I was before you, but I was still behind everybody else. I I was also really late to read Harry Potter. But. As was I. With that being said, I posted on Facebook many, many years ago. I think it was like 2009. Mm-hmm. The Twilight movie was on TV. There was nothing else on. And I could watch it from the beginning. I'm like, huh. I'm going to give this a try. And I was like updating Facebook with what was going on. I was like, this sucks. Like I'm Anne Rice vampire all the way. So I made Matt go watch that in the theater with me. And the part of the first movie where he like reveals he glitters for the first time, which, okay, first of all, can we agree that that is a terrible, whatever, anyway. Vampires don't glitter. They don't. No. <sighs> Say what you want about the vampire diaries, but at least they were creative in how they had their vampires walk around in the sun. I didn't see that. They had daylight rings, which were enchanted by witches that it allowed them to walk around in the sunlight. Okay. Much more compelling than they fucking glitter. Okay. My one F word. Sorry, Mima. <laughs> so, yeah, it's more compelling than glitter. Yes. So we went, we were sitting in the theater and we're watching the movie and he reveals himself glittering and we're sitting there and, you know, all the girls are like, oh, and I'm just sitting there like, oh, you know, not super excited about it. I'm just like, man, this is really kind of, yeah, but I was in it because I'm like, I'm going to see this through. And Matt just cracks. I mean, he starts laughing. The theater is silent. Nobody else is laughing. Okay. He's laughing so loud and he says he glitters what a douche and the guys (laughs) sitting behind us were dying laughing so they all had a good chuckle at that so yeah 
My biggest problem when I was Matt, watching not a fan it of, uh, Twilight. <laughs> it was the baseball. That was the one thing I remember posting on Facebook. I'm like, this is stupid. Oh, there's a couple on TikTok that recreate recreated it. Mm-hmm. I'll have to find the video and send it to you. So I posted about how horrible the movie was and somebody posted, oh, the books are better. You need to read the books. I'm like, oh, no. Fine. Like, to be honest, I feel like it was you or Jessica who said it that. It might have been me, to be fair. <laughs> I'm not going to lie because I did have that viewpoint. But then I, like, collectively, after a matter of time, was just like, no, it's all garbage. And then you got that 50 Shades of Grey shit. Oh, my God. I read the first two books Twilight, and I couldn't. Twilight fan fiction. I refused to read them. <sighs> and... Everyone's like, oh, no, you have to read them. Like, they get no, so no. much better. No. No. I don't have to do anything. Thank you. And then somebody's like, oh, you have to watch the movies. I'm like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> and they said, so you're never going to watch the movies. I said, nope, not going to. They're like, yes, you will. Guess what? Still haven't watched a one of those movies. I watched the first one because somebody accidentally rented it for four bucks. And I was like, well. I paid for I will it. I say, though, the guy, Jamie Dornan is chef's kiss. He's pretty spicy. I find him attractive. <laughs> but it was like, I don't know. I read the books. I'm like, okay, I can, I guess I can read this. It's not terrible. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. But my favorite book to read after a breakup, even to this day, not that I've had a breakup and like yeah, I was gonna say, you just forever. <laughs> But it's New Moon. I love reading that after a breakup. Just that one. Because I'm always that sad. I'm oh, like, when you break up? Yeah. I'm like, I could sit in a chair for five months. I will say, though, and a lot of people have made TikToks about this, but I've come to agree with it wholeheartedly that Charlie Swan is the real MVP of those movies. Her dad is the best. Yes. I will oh. agree with that. We recently watched, I think we only got to Eclipse, but Jake had never read the books. He knew very little about all of them. And we watched it with a group of friends. We were watching. It included Sarah and Patrick. It didn't. Oh, no. Okay. It was Hannah. Okay. Yeah. I I could watch it with Hannah. I would love to watch it with Hannah. (laughs) And oh my gosh, his reactions were so, it was so much fun watching them with him. Because the movies are so bad, and he sees how bad they are. I do have an update for you. Okay. For everybody else. So I know we we had a lot of fun at the expense of Salt Life in our Sarah Winchester episode. And I was talking to my friend Ashley at work about it. And uh, she's like, well, what the hell is Salt Life? Like, what's it it mean? Why do people do it? I'm like... (laughs) I was like, it's just like a way for people to be like, look, I went to the beach once. And then I was like, I got to thank you about it. I'm like, I honestly, where did it come from? Like, I don't understand the origin of salt life. So I did some research. Oh, okay. What did you find out? I took to the Googles and typed in, what does salt life, salt life mean? Very like, you know, those documentaries where, like where they show somebody researching something and they're like <laughs> typing a generic question in there. Like in your um, 15 minutes yes, of fame, fame where they say, oh, Dear and we decided scared. to send them an email and showed somebody typing at a computer. Exactly. 
That's basically it. So I Googled, what, do, what does salt life mean? And so the one of the best quotes was from a marine biologist who said, when I see somebody with a salt life sticker on their car, it tells me that they are a kindred spirit, that they care about ocean and marine life just as much as I don't think that's it. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I think they like sitting on the beach and getting drunk. And this is from the Panama City Herald. So then if the article further went further, like, and it got a quote from the founders of Salt Life. And they're basically like, yeah, it's an apparel and a lifestyle company da, 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 that is rooted in a love of like the ocean and surfing and stuff or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's legit. It's less hippy dippy. It's legitimate. And then the best quote of the article was from a server at a local establishment in Panama City. And he said, yeah, way too many have people have salt life stickers. <laughs> and he says, it goes on like, yes, there is a deeper meaning to salt life. However, way too many people have those stickers <laughs> and they don't understand. So I, I feel like on the one hand, I, I learned why where salt life came from while also learning that somebody agrees with us yeah (laughs) people have those stickers so i forgot to last episode i thought i said it but i didn't but the first time we drove out to missouri after i moved to california not jake's first time being in missouri it was like his second yeah but he's like what's up with all these salt life stickers (laughs) (laughs) matt hates them every time he sees a salt life sticker it like it sets his soul on fire it's like i told him i'm like it's about like being at the beach by the ocean and blah 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 and he looked at me he's like because if you ask people not from missouri where missouri is they have no idea exactly and he's like but it's landlocked i'm like yeah yeah (laughs) they went to lake they go to lake of the ozarks every weekend that's why they have a salt life sticker (laughs) okay because they go to party cove because they go to party cove that's right they go to branson (laughs) and get drunk on a boat on the lake hey i'm not judging that that sounds actually like a lot of fun right now it it does but i have really bad motion sickness so i'd rather not be on a boat (laughs) I don't think I could ever do a cruise. Yeah, I don't think I could either. Mm. Maybe we'll have to do a cruise. Let's do the Titanic cruise. No. We can do our Titanic episode on the Titanic cruise. On the Titanic 2? Yeah. Okay. Deal. (laughs) You know, while I was waiting for you to send me the Zoom link, I got sucked into TikTok, you know, as I do. Yeah. And in particular, I was watching Chris Evans TikToks, <laughs> like I do. Uh huh. And it all—it just really made me think: this man is out there somewhere. <laughs> we are walking around in the same world, <laughs> and as the saying goes, God had the audacity to put that man in my life, but not in my life. <laughs> and. It just makes me really sad. Like, if you tell me who's, or you ask me who's my celebrity crush, I'm like, I don't, like in TV and film, we're not talking about Jonathan Davis. Yeah, I, was just, say, I know who it is. TV and film, I'm like, uh. 
Jennifer Lawrence. She is adorable. <laughs> I, I'm just not. I like chubby guys. Seth Rogen. There we go. Seth Rogen is my Your celebrity. Looks like Seth Rogen. I wish. <laughs> yeah, I just like where I've made a wrong turn in my life. <laughs> Could have married Chris Evans. Well, if you think about it, I'm only one degree away from Jonathan Davis. That's true. Your dreams are getting closer to coming true. <laughs> Maybe I could use a voodoo love potion. Uh, I think. Charm I think. Gree-gree I think he might be make... shit out of luck on that. Don't crush my dreams. So, do you want to know what voodoo really is? Please tell me. <laughs> what is voodoo really? Because I need to figure out how. And I have a funny voodoo story. <laughs> In case you guys haven't guessed, we're talking about voodoo today. <laughs> the practice of voodoo, or there's also, well, yeah, voodoo. When I was Ashley or, or Ashley, Callie, you're going to really laugh at this. Sorry, I was talking to Ashley at work today. Hi. Well, <laughs> leave that in. 26 um, years down the drain. Down the drain. She doesn't even know who I am. I don't even know who I am. Right <laughs> so, in it was the summer after, summer before fourth grade. So third grade. Going so we knew fourth. each other. We did. My grandparents took us to New Orleans for vacation. And one of the things we did, we went to the French Quarter and we went to a voodoo museum. Okay. And my little nine-year-old self, because they had a thing where you could write like a wish on a piece of paper and put it in something and like you knocked on, the, you put it in a log and you knocked on the log and it was supposed to make your wish come true. You want to know what my wish was? Oh, my God. To go to the Lit Mansion. <laughs> okay. I didn't know about that then. That my <laughs> that my boyfriend would call me on the phone. Who was your boyfriend at the time? Oh, you're going to really laugh. <laughs> uh, Derek. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I yeah it, it didn't happen so um not to say the voodoo is not real but obviously it just was not meant for that to happen and you know here we are today so yes we are talking about voodoo today Callie is going to tell us about the history of voodoo and how it came to find its way in New Orleans uh -huh. so Callie or Nolens or Nolens, Nolens. Nola, whatever you want to say so many different ways. I'll probably pronounce it all of those ways. And that's okay. <laughs> so what voodoo isn't, it's not a cult, it's not black magic, and it's not devil worship. Okay. People who practice voodoo are not witch doctors, sorcerers, or occultists. Voodoo isn't a practice intended to hurt or control others. Voodoo is not morbid or violent. Voodoo is a religion that originated in Africa, in the Americas, and the Caribbean. It is thought to be a combination of various African, Catholic, and Native American traditions. It is practiced around the world, but there is no accurate count of how many people are voodooists. Voodoo has no scripture. It is community-centered and supports individual experience, empowerment, and responsibility. Okay, I must interrupt real quick. Okay. I find it interesting, and not to say that I believe that it was, but you see in these movies, 
like that, you know, voodoo practitioners like can make you a zombie. And there's actually a famous movie like Bill Pullman ends up like getting I have to I'll have to look up the movie, but it's about voodoo. And he gets like turned into like an effect, like uh, event, like for all intents and purposes, uh, a zombie. Yeah, but that's not real voodoo, though. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good. I'm. I'm glad I learned that. Yeah, it's not like obviously nowadays there is a market for voodoo dolls, and my mima did buy a voodoo doll when we were. Uh, <laughs> Well, like, they make voodoo dolls for different things. Right. But it's not supposed to be about hurting people or control over people. I'm sorry. I'm really, I'm looking for this movie. Oh, The Serpent in the Rainbow. I've never heard of it. So it is a movie. It's an anthropologist goes to Haiti after hearing rumors about a drug used by black magic practitioners to turn people into zombies. And that's what like a lot of people say voodoo, like voodoo priestesses and priests use like their magic to turn people into zombies to do their bidding for them. So, okay, go ahead. Carry on. That's not real voodoo. (laughs) No, it's not. Voodoo is a worldview encompassing philosophy, medicine, justice, and religion. Its fundamental principle is that everything is spirit. Humans are spirits who inhabit the visible world. The unseen world is populated by Iwa, which are spirits. I'm not going to try and pronounce the rest of these words because I will butcher them. I'll just do the translation. Mysteries the invisibles and angels and the spirits of ancestors and the recently deceased. All these spirits are believed to live in the mythic land called Jinnin, a cosmic Africa. The God of the Christian Bible is understood to be the creator of both the universe and the spirit. The spirits were made by God to help him govern humanity and the natural world. The primary goal of and activity of voodoo is to serve the spirits, to offer prayers and perform various devotional rites directed at God and particular spirits in return for health, protection, and favor. Spirit possession plays an important role in Afro-Haitian religion, as it does in many other world religions. During religious rites, believers sometimes enter a translate state in which the devotee may eat and drink, perform stylized dances, give supernaturally inspired advice to people, or perform medical cures or special physical feats. These acts exhibit the incarnate presence of the Iwa within the entranced devotee. Voodoo ritual activity is aimed at refining and restoring balance and energy and relationships between people and between the spirits of the unseen world. So Voodoo refers to a whole assortment of cultural elements, personal creeds, and practices, including an elaborate system of folk medical practices a system of ethics transmitted across generations, including proverbs, stories, songs, and folklore. Voodoo is more than belief. It is a way of life, wrote Leslie Desmangles, probably messed up that last name. I'm very sorry. A Haitian professor at Hartford's Trinity College and the Encyclopedia of the Paranormal. Voodoo teaches 
belief in a supreme being called Bondi, an unknowable and uninvolved creator god. The exact origins of voodoo are unknown. It is generally agreed that this religion has its roots in West Africa. The modern-day Benin is regarded as the birthplace of the religion, and the name voodoo itself means spirit in the local Fon language. It is suggested that voodoo and West Africa evolved from the ancient traditions of ancestor worship and animism. The forms of voodoo practiced today, however, are the result of one of the inhumane episodes in modern history, the African slave trade that took place between the 16th and 19th centuries. When African slaves were brought to the Americas to work on plantations, they brought voodoo with them. Their white masters had other plans regarding the religious practices of their slaves. A 1685 law, for instance, prohibited the practice of African religions and required all masters to Christianize their slaves within eight days of their arrival in Haiti. Although the slaves accepted Roman Catholicism, they did not give up their traditional beliefs either. Instead, the old and the new were synchronized, producing some unique results. Yeah, because if you... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no. You're probably getting ready to say what I was going to say, so I'll (laughs) let you finish and then... Many of the Catholic saints were identified with traditional voodoo I was or held a double meaning to the practitioners of voodoo. For instance, in Haitian voodoo, St. Peter was recognized as Papa Legba, the gatekeeper to the spirit world, while St. Patrick is associated with Dumbala, the snake Iwa. What were you going to say? That, so, <laughs> like, you explained it deeper, but basically what I was going to say was that, yeah, so when these people were being forced to come here they were being abducted and brought to america for you know slave labor and they much like everything else you know white european people did they forced them to take on their religion right and so yeah the voodoo that's the one thing i did know about voodoo i didn't really know much else so everything you're telling me actually (laughs) stuff i had i had no idea but the one thing i did know that yeah the African people who were being brought here, for lack of a better way to say it, they kind of, it was, it became a hybrid. Like they combined the religions and they, and they used a lot of the Catholic saints and the Catholic iconology in their ceremonies. And it's, it's kind of like Christmas. Right. Like reading that, it reminded me a lot of how Christianity adapted a lot of the pagan holidays like a lot of the catholic feasts fall on pagan holidays yeah like we're watching american gods right now and i'm not watching it because i haven't read the book yet i own the book i just haven't read it yet the book now i picked it up at goodwill i'm sorry um but the show is really good the only reason i kind of interjected was interjected the reason i interrupted you like a rude terrible person 
because <laughs> like what you were saying, it made me think of like they're one of the episodes they go and they visit a star who it's Easter, like, mm-hmm. and they, the fertility goddess, or she's not a fertility goddess, but she's goddess of spring, basically. Right. And they go and visit her. So it kind of made me, it, you saying that made me think of that. Right. Because there's a whole thing of how, like, the only reason she's still relevant is because Easter itself has become so commercialized and the Christians have adapted it. Um, so I just found that interesting. And I just, right. And, like, I feel bad. Comparing this to a white religion to a white religion, I feel bad about doing that, but I didn't know much about voodoo either when I started this, and that was the first comparison that came to mind. Well, and it's, again, because we are Caucasian people, that's the only frame of reference we have. Right. But yeah, so that is the one thing I did know is that, yeah, they, they were like, okay, we will keep your you know well you're gonna force us to practice your bullshit religion we're gonna find a way to incorporate our own religion into it and me being raised catholic like as soon as i read like saint peter is recognized as papa legba i was like yeah that makes sense yeah that definitely makes sense and then saint patrick being associated with dumbala the snake iowa that makes a lot of sense too because saint patrick Drove the snakes out of Ireland, supposedly. Hopefully we talk about that someday. Yeah. So (laughs) I find the saints really interesting. And I love when people adapt with them because I hate to get religious. I'm not religious at all, but I do know a lot about Catholicism and it's the oldest Christian religion there is. So seeing how it evolved is very interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting to see how these denominations and these different religions adapt or don't adapt. So yeah, it, but it, but the Catholic thing kind of stays in play with practitioners of voodoo. Yeah, it's very interesting. I was like, whoa, I can learn a lot about this just knowing what I already know about Catholicism. Yeah. So although African slaves were brought to Haiti and New Orleans about the same time, i.e. the 1720s, I don't know why I said IE. That's what I <laughs> typed. Anyway, okay. the development of voodoo practices in each area is quite different. In Haiti, voodoo became a force that gave strength to and sustained the slaves through their hardships and suffering. Between 1791 and 1804, a series of slave revolts inspired by voodoo practice culminated in the expelling of the French from Haiti. New Orleans voodoo is also known as voodoo Catholicism. Voodoo was bolstered when followers fleeing Haiti after the 1791 slave revolt moved to New Orleans and grew as many freed people of color made its practice an important part of their culture. Voodoo queens and kings were spiritual and political figures in power in 1980s, not 1980s, 1800s, (laughs) New Orleans. It was so long ago that my brain can't comprehend. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny you said that because I know you've been listening to And That's Why We Drink Uh and says that a lot, that they cannot comprehend anything happening before 1795. Like just how long ago things we are talking about happened. It's it's baffling. Yeah, I wish I was a vampire so I could live long enough to see 
all the future things and understand well, I mean, how long ago it was. Yeah. But just find Lestat de Lancourt. Yeah. Did you read the vampire Lestat? I did. Yeah. No, not the vampire Lestat. The Prince Lestat. It was I did not. It was pretty good. I liked it a lot. Anyway, sorry, anyway. New Orleans and Anne Rice, they just kind of Yeah, go hand they go in hand in hand. hand. It, it's, it's a given. They go <laughs> hand in hand. The core belief of New Orleans voodoo is that one God does not interfere with daily lives, but that spirits do. Connection with these spirits can be obtained through various rituals such as dance, music, chanting, and snakes. And I also Googled the difference between Haitian voodoo and Louisiana voodoo. Mm -hmm. There's really not Not much much difference at all, even though what the other things I read said there is a difference, but nothing went into the differences. It's just... And if it's, so the differences are probably very minimal. Right. So are you going to tell me about Marie Laveau? Am I saying yeah, that you right? Nailed it. I am going to tell you about Marie Laveau. So yeah, the, okay. When people think of voodoo and they think of New Orleans, the first person that comes to mind is Marie Laveau. She is the most notorious voodoo practitioner. New Orleans is famous for not only voodoo but witchcraft it has a very new orleans is a city steeped in paranormal and spirituality and ghosts and 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 all of that stuff and john and, goodman and john goodman who is from st louis and beignets and it just new orleans it just became kind of like a a vortex of culture because of just where it happened to be in the world, what was going on, people, you know, it was a port, it's a port city. So there was a lot of people coming from all over the world, coming in and out of New Orleans. And unfortunately, part of that obviously was, you know, the buying, selling and trading of enslaved people. So yeah, New Orleans definitely is, is, has a rich history of just many different cultures just coming together. And it, became quite famous and is still famous for witchcraft and voodoo and really no other practitioner gained the notoriety or reputation like Marie Laveau. Despite all of that, her being this famed voodoo priestess, there's actually real no, no real solid proof for having any magical powers. She's a very interesting individual. She was born in New Orleans somewhere between 1794 and 1801. There are no existing birth records for her that have been found, which that tracks. Though one source stated she was born September 10th, 1801, but that's the only source I was able to find that had a specific date of birth. Everywhere else did the in-between 1794 and 1801. So during the slavery vaults. Exactly. Her grandmother, Catherine Henry, was brought to Louisiana in 1743 as an enslaved person and was purchased by Francois Pomay, who happened to be a free woman of color and very successful entrepreneur. And I thought that was really weird, but apparently it was not uncommon for free people of color to actually own their own slaves during this time. And there's even 
some evidence that Laveau may have owned her own slaves. Okay. Catherine was actually able to buy her freedom and saved enough money to build her own home where Marie herself would actually live as a child. Catherine was also the concubine of Henri Rocher, a slave owner, but it's not clear if this is her daughter, Marguerite's father, who Marguerite is actually was Marie's mother. Marie's mother, Marguerite, became emancipated at the age of 16, so she also was an enslaved person as well. And I guess she probably would have became emancipated around the same time as, I guess, Catherine bought her freedom. And after she became emancipated, she soon began an affair with a man that with the man that would be Marie's father. Marie's paternal grandfather, Charles Laveau Trudeau, served as acting mayor of New Orleans in 1812. And prior to that, he was the surveyor of surveyor general of, of Spanish Louisiana for, in 1780s until his resignation in 1805. He was also served as the recorder uh, as the recorder and president of the New Orleans City Council. He had an affair with an unknown woman of color who gave birth to his illegitimate son, also named Charles, who was also a free person of color. So was he white? Uh, Marie's grandfather. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So her, so her father was biracial. Okay, and it's not known if her mother was or not. It's she's considered uh, Marie was considered what they called a quadroon, and I was really nervous about saying that because I didn't know if people of color would consider that derogatory. The only reason they called them that is because they were Creole, white, West African, and african-american is from what i was able to find so i didn't know if it was a racial slur or not so if uh, people of color that are listening if it is i do apologize i saw it noted in many different sources so i didn't think that it was a racial slur so if it is please educate me and i apologize yes this is something we can be ignorant on like yeah like we just we, don't I, know yeah so please do educate if you are listening i would love to know if that is and you know obviously you know we will make sure to note that yes and that's too big of a word for me to remember so i'll never <laughs> repeat it <laughs> exactly so marie was baptized as catholic at six days old and this is where i you know i said catholic would come back into play um she would practice the catholic faith for the rest of her life and while really it may seem to go against the practice of voodoo as callie explained it really doesn't they were kind of they went hand in hand yes and, and marie saw it that way as well she saw them as going together and despite being born as a black creole woman she never learned to read or write which was actually unusual for a black creole and at that time in new orleans there was a three-tier kind of caste system for lack of a better way to describe it you had your your white nobility people you had your creole people who were in the middle and they and then you had your enslaved peoples and so for her being a creole woman she would have actually had the opportunity to learn to read and write and be educated but she was not probably because she was not born to a rich creole family well like you tell like again i didn't look at anything yeah. about Marie Laveau at all. And this is something I want to learn more about because I didn't realize with Louisiana being like the deep South, like yeah, that there you were don't think about that. Yeah. There were free black people, which is yeah. fantastic. But it's just not something that I knew. Yeah. 
So apparently there were actually was a large community of free people of color in New Orleans at that time. And, you know, with a three tiered system, again, people, you know, Creole people were kind of in the middle. Okay. And but once the Civil War hit, the three tier system went to two. You had your white and your black people. And that was it. Mm. So, yeah. Way to go, Civil War. Marie began her career as a hairdresser to prominent women in the New Orleans community. And it's here that many people believe that the seeds of her legend were actually planted. If you believe that she actually did not have magical abilities. Because there's people who firmly believe like she was legitimate, like she was the real deal. And then a lot of historians and a lot of people say no, like she just happened to be in the right place at the right time with a lot of this stuff. The only reason why I'm laughing because a lot of things those same things can be said about saints oh yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah so yeah so she she was a hairdresser for these rich women and so while she would be doing their hair she would start to take in the information she would be listening to what they are talking about and although these women really didn't pay her any attention she was paying a lot of attention to them and later she would see them out in public and bring up whatever they'd been talking about like oh their sick family member or a marriage or whatever and these women would be absolutely amazed because they didn't believe that she would have any way of knowing any of this information so they were like oh my gosh she has to be psychic she has there has to be some magical ability behind this because how would she know of this not even realizing like yeah this is the same woman that did our hair (laughs) people gossip a lot to their hairdresser exactly they do so yeah i mean but so they weren't even thinking about like that because they're thinking of her as just this black woman who's just doing their hair not paying her any never mind the whole time she's taking in all of this information A lot of historians say that she also would pay the servants in the households of these wealthy people or intimidate them, whatever she had to do to gather information about these wealthy clients to use. I mean, you do you. Yeah, right? You gotta do what you gotta do. Like, I, the more I learned about her, I'm like, you know what? She's a pretty badass lady. Like, Mm -hmm. So also adding to this growing legend around her and this growing growing reputation was her alleged tutelage under, under Dr. Jean Montan, who was a known Senegalese conjurer or root worker. It has said that she had grown interested in the voodoo practice after the death of her mother and that she was also taught by a former voodoo priestess, Marie Solope who Laveau would eventually overtake as New Orleans' prominent voodoo queen. In 1819, Marie married Jacques Perry. This marriage is said to not have been a happy one by all accounts mm-hmm. because he had many affairs. The marriage would also not be a long one either, and in 1820, after only one year of marriage, Jacques would mysteriously disappear and later be reported as dead. Allegedly, very soon after his disappearance, Marie began to call herself the Widow Puri, and this was before he was discovered to have died. I'm having flashbacks to Balgunas. Right, yeah. (laughs) Only, you know, Marie's not catfishing people. No, she's not. And if it was a bad marriage, like... Yeah, and she's not murdering her children. No. The mysterious disappearance and eventual reported death of Perry would add to the growing reputation of Marie or Madame Laveau. Shortly after his disappearance, Marie entered into what would be a long-lasting relationship for her. She began a partnership with Christophe 
Lapion, butchered that last name. He was a white man with a lineage of French from French nobility. Because she was of African and Creole and he was a white man, they were not allowed to marry. However, the relationship would last 30 years until his death, and together they would have five children, three daughters and two sons. I mean, who says you have to be married to have kids? You don't. And yeah, and all three of her daughters were named Marie. Wait, what? All three of her daughters were named Marie. Why? Um, I don't know. Here, let me, I'll tell you their names. But yeah, they all were named Marie. They all had different middle names. So uh, they probably went by the middle names. Let's see. These are their children together. Francois Auguste, Mar- Marie Louise, who went by Caroline, Marie Angelie, Celestine Albert, Archange, Felicity, Marie Philomene, and Marie Eloise Eucharist. Eucharist? Eucharist, yeah. Like the body of Christ? Yes. Okay. Well, she was Catholic. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> yes. It's so, a yeah, name. So her daughters were, so she, her, she had, and then they had two sons. When he died in 1855, he left Marie, unfortunately, with a huge pile of debt. Mm. And their home at 15 Ann Street was auctioned off and purchased by a wealthy benefactor by the name of Philippe Ross, who actually would let Laveau and her children continue to live there. Oh, nice. So instead of being a scumbag and kicking them out, he'd let them stay. That's nice. And at this time, Laveau would turn her attention to really just getting into being a practitioner, an herbalist, and even helping to nurse those who were afflicted by yellow fever. She was also said to have taken in 10 children who were not her own and raised them. And it was also during this time she began to gain quite the reputation as a priestess. People described the front room of her cottage as being filled with altars, holy images, and offerings. She started hosting weekly meetings where worshipers would chant, sing, and make offerings of food and liquor to the spirits to gain their favor. I mean, people can donate liquor to me. (laughs) Right? So, Marie began practicing in three main locations. Her home, where is where she would meet clients in private, and these clients would seek her out for a myriad of reasons, including everything from legal advice to how to attract a lover, to help with giving birth or getting pregnant, or to marriage problems. It is said in her obituary that lawyers, merchants, and legislators and planters would all pay visits to Laveau to pay their respects and seek her counsel. So these clients she would provide with charms called Grigri, to aid them with their troubles. So, you know, she, if they had love issues, she would provide them with a charm for that. So on and so forth. In her backyard, she would hold ceremonies which conjured the spirit of the great Zombie. It is even rumored she had a snake named Zombie. And allegedly the deity Dambala Wedo would manifest themselves at these ceremonies as a great snake. The second location was Congo Square, a known location for practitioners. It was a public space set aside by the city as a gathering space for not only the free African people, but the enslaved people as well. And on Sundays, Laveau would gather there with her followers to dance and worship, but she would not host major ceremonies there. 
The place where she would host major ceremonies was in the third location, and it was Bayou St. John's, which was located on the shore of Lake Pontchartrain. At this location, the major ceremonies would take place. Outsiders were not welcome, as it was only a place for those who were indoctrinated into the religion. Accompanied by a king who was usually, or who was a male, he was a male practitioner, and it was a second, like, he was a second-ranking person. They would lead those gathered in singing, dancing, drumming, and there are even stories of spirit possession taking place. And despite outsiders not being allowed, curious people from the community would reportedly sneak into the woods to watch these ceremonies. And it's from these people that obviously a lot of the more outlandish accounts started to come from. Laveau was alleged to be able to see the future, cure diseases, and appease different spirits through sacrifices. And additionally, the rumored snake she owned, Zombe, was said to have been raised from the dead by Laveau herself. In later years, Marie began to take her practice to a part of New Orleans known as Algiers, which was an area of the city where enslaved people were held before they were sold. This area of New Orleans is often referred to as the origin of voodoo in New Orleans. During her, and actually, I, when I was reading it, I'm like, oh, they talked about that in the originals. <laughs> I'm so stupid. <laughs> During her lifetime, Laveau performed many acts of charity. Not only was she known for nursing yellow fever patients, and this is the part where I'm like, man, she was really a badass. She also posted bail for free women of color. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and would visit condemned prisoners and pray with them in their final hours. It's like, like what a cool chick. Like Yeah. And cuz by all accounts, like every source I read, they said like she was very much into doing charitable acts in the community. Like she would nurse sick people. She was very much about helping and giving back to the community. I want to be that when I grow up. Right? So Laveau died in 1881 at the age of 80, if you actually place her birth date as in 1801. Okay. And then through her death, it seems her legend would grow. And it's also a lot of people said that she never aged and that they would, after her death, they still saw her walking around the city. So that's a nice little. Well, I mean, it sounds like she loved that city. So oh, yeah. So, yeah, so people would claim to still see her walking around the city after her alleged death. And they said as she got older, she she did not age. And they attribute this to her practice of voodoo. She was said to have been buried in St. Louis Cemetery Number no. 1, which is allegedly quite haunted. And visitors would go to her grave to pay their respects by placing an offering at her gravesite, accompanied by marking three X's in order to get her to fulfill the wish. However, St. Louis Cemetery has closed itself off to the public to dissuade people from coming in and desecrating the tomb. And so they closed it off to people like you can't just wander in there like I did Bell Fountain Cemetery. And they only allow tour groups then. And it's said that she even haunts the cemetery around her tomb. But despite this claim, the city actually came out and said in 2018, she's not even interred in St. Louis Cemetery, but she's actually interred in the family crypt of her longtime partner, Christophe Galpion. There was a, a few different stories I read, like she got into, 
<laughs> she got into kind of a back and forth with another voodoo practitioner. Her name was Rosalie. And she was attempting, I guess, to challenge Marie's position as the voodoo priestess. And so to create a sense of fear and to get people to kind of be in awe of her, Rosalie placed a huge life-sized wooden doll in her front yard that was said to have been imported from Africa. And it was covered in, with beads and really intricate carvings. And when people in the community began expressing, you know, their fear and respect born out of that fear for Rosalie because of that doll in her yard. Laveau actually stole the statue. <laughs> and then she was taken to court by Rosalie, but used her persuasive powers and influence to have the doll permanently removed. There were several other root workers and voodoo practitioners who also gathered attention during her reign but rosalie was like the main one and laveau actually i guess according to this source which is britannica.com <laughs> i got a lot of my information from there too they hey they've been super helpful for a lot of stories we've done yeah they only had like five paragraphs though i didn't think you guys wanted to hear about like the dates of voodoo holidays compared right. to Catholic holidays, which I found interesting, but I yeah. didn't want to put you guys through that. Yeah, so she, I guess, until 1850, remained kind of unchallenged for her seat of power, so to speak. And so it wasn't until Rosalie decided she was going to try to scare the shit out of people into, you know, fearing and respecting her. Hold on one second. <laughs> Isn't Rosalie... That's the Twilight. name of. We're coming okay. full circle. We're coming just, full circle. I just wanted to make sure because she kept saying, and I kept saying that name sounds familiar. Yes, Nikki Reed <laughs> went back in time <laughs> to pick a fight with Marie Laveau. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please continue. Laugh. Yeah. So that that's kind of it. I mean, you can watch a lot of YouTube videos about Marie Laveau. I watched a couple different ones. I know that. Some people say that the real reason, like, she, I guess she kind of fell out of, like, the, at some point she kind of fell out of favor with, favor, favor with the upper class because, if I remember the story correctly, like, she refused to help somebody or she gave them bad advice and that kind of led to her downfall and allegedly she got poisoned because of it. I remember watching that on some like travel channel thing. So it may be entirely false. So I don't want to take that as gospel. I'm more inclined to believe she just did die of old age because to live to be 80 something years old during that time period, it's quite the feat. It's like a lot of the stories we tell, it's like they live to be how old? You're like, <laughs> and that I, time? What happened? We thought these people like only lived to be 30. Right. That's what we were taught. Middle age was 30. <laughs> right. And you you croak at 60. like Exactly. Or before. Yeah. But these people are living to be 80, 90 years old. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like a lot of the stories we tell. Like she was not an awful person by no means. We tell a lot of stories about we awful people. We do talk people. about a lot of awful people. And so they live for so long. Yeah, it's refreshing to be able to talk about somebody who is not complete garbage. Yeah. And this will air in February, which is Black History Month. Awesome. 
I love that. So I'm glad I, you planned it that way. I did. I planned it. I did that on purpose. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was totally intentional. Because she's a really fascinating person. And I encourage everybody, please, like, go read what information you can about her. Because, again, a lot of it, I mean, some of it is very hotly debated. Because, again, it's a lot of word of mouth, a lot of just handed down stories. I mean, there is some historical evidence for some of the things, but there's no proof that she had any kind of magical powers. I would like to believe that she did, but I'm more like, I'm more fascinated by her as an actual person. The fact that she took time to nurse people who were sick with yellow fever. And oh, then yeah. She, and then posting bail for women of color who were in jail. Like, what a just a boss bitch thing to do. Like, that's so cool. And since we're on the topic of helping out, I do want to bring up one of our new affiliates. And I read their story. It's great. Yeah. And we do have two new affiliates. There will be some ads, you know, for them in coming episodes, but we actually have a new affiliate called Malicious Women Candle Company. That name alone piqued my interest. And when I went to the website, because I saw some of their candles, like it was like a Facebook ad or something. And I saw some of their candles. I'm like, I love these names. These names are awesome. (laughs) Yes. And then I actually went and read the story behind them, or not behind the candles, but behind how the company was born. And it's a very beautiful, but sad story. This, you know, the founder of the company, she had a friend who they became friends because their husbands were both servicemen and they met on base and they formed this really strong friendship. And unfortunately her friend passed away after a battle with cancer and then after that, as she's dealing with that grief, she keeps having all these like family tragedies. And from this, she decided to pour her grief and turn it into creative energy. And that's how this company was born. And the only reason I'm bringing it up, because Callie and I were talking about charity, is because one of the things that they do, which I think is just so cool, is she makes a point to donate proceeds to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And she has a really beautiful quote. It's kind of, it's her motto. It is to illuminate the way one candle at a time. And I think that's so beautiful. I think it's absolutely just wonderful. And so immediately, like I reached out, I'm like, listen, I don't know if you do this sort of thing, but we would love to work with you. Like, I love your message. Like I think, and your candles are like, I'm obsessed with them. And she was very kind and she responded very quickly. And I, it was really, really cool. Um, So Callie and I are very excited about that. I didn't really mean to turn it into an ad for an affiliate for a partner, but you know, when we were talking about charity, I'm like, well, now it's an opportunity to share that at least the story of them, because the the story behind them, the Malicious Women Candle Company is just really cool. So, and, and since, you know, we have partnered with them, you, you can't, you know, we do have a coupon code that you can use. Um, horrendous 10, you get 10% off, but we're not really focusing on that right now. We just wanted to highlight that, like, this is a company that we've partnered with who has a really cool message and wants to do really good things. And since we were talking about one malicious, awesome woman, why not highlight a company <laughs> founded by a malicious and awesome woman? So yeah, so that's really cool. And that's something I want to eventually do with Patreon once we have more Patreons. Like yeah. for every Patreon we have, we donate $1 to a yeah, charity. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Right now we just have Sarah and it 
feels kind of backhanded to download, to download, to donate one dollar. Yeah, yeah, it seems. But that is something I would eventually like to do. Or like our Sipatels, we can probably donate. Do yeah. like a donation thing for absolutely whatever. And if you have Amazon, please activate your Amazon smile. Why are you not using that? <laughs> like, just do it. I did it today. I, I wanted those people. Thing, so I would go, I, I'll go do that. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So Amazon will donate on your purchases as long as you order through smile.amazon.com. I personally just activated mine today for Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Again, I don't want to get political. I don't feel that it's a political thing. No. But people have made it political. Yeah. Racism is a human rights thing. And and, it is. And I just think, and I think it's important right now, especially Black History Month is coming up. We just talked about a religion created by people of color and then a woman of color who happened to be a free woman of color in a time that, wow. Uh, yeah, that wasn't <laughs> like, a thing. Like, I had no idea. I When I was reading free people of color in this, like in a southern city, it blew my mind because when you think of free people of color, you think, wow, that wasn't really a thing. And you think, oh, it must have been in a northern city. No, it was in New Orleans. It was in the south. In the, in the deep south. And and the other thing I want to say, too, is, yes, New Orleans has this rich history and culture and deep roots of the voodoo and witchcraft. They have commercialized it quite a bit. It's a very, like, so when you go to New Orleans today and you see people in the French Quarter trying to sell you voodoo dolls or gri-gri or what. Please know that that is not real. I, I hesitate to say it's not real voodoo because I don't want to, you know what I'm trying to say. Yes. I don't want to be condescending and I don't want to write off people. But a lot of that is just commercialized and they're like, it's because it is a tourist city. So I think it's important to understand that voodoo is a real thing that people take very seriously and be respectful of, of the culture. That, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to say. Until today, like, I was excited that this yeah. popped up on the list, Elizabeth writes us, because I'm like, yeah. I know nothing about voodoo other yeah. than mainstream. I almost said mainstream media. But <laughs> yeah, but no, but what we see on TV, what we've seen right. in shows and movies, yeah. So I was really excited to deep dive into it, but there's not a whole lot of information, just what it's about. And it's totally different than what I thought it was. Yeah. And it was refreshing, even though like what we think of voodoo, not saying that's not refreshing, just like it was a new lens on something. It is. And I, and I, we both encourage you to encourage all of you guys to just kind of go do your own independent research on things and again that's kind of why we wanted to do this podcast is to get a better understanding of these things and share information you guys might not have known otherwise and have fun while doing it absolutely and also like if you go to new orleans and want to buy a voodoo doll like these people are trying to make a living. Like, yeah, dude, we're not telling you not yeah. to do it. My Mima bought one like <laughs> for luck or like wealth or something. Yeah. She's doing great. <laughs> 
And, and Mima, since you, I know that you listen, please correct me and tell me if that's not what it is, if it's different, because I know it's in your china cabinet. So <laughs> go look at the little tag on it, and then you can tell me what it really is for. But I remember you buying it, and I know you still have it. <laughs> so, like, if these things interest you, if you're out and about and in somewhere with a rich culture that you don't know too much about, and you find it interesting, just dive in. Yeah, yeah. Dive in and enjoy and soak it up and buy. Like, it's like when we go to Charleston. Oh, I thought you were going to say to Florida and buy a Salt Life sticker. That too. You're supporting Florida culture. No, so hopefully one day I'll get to take you. So when you go to Charleston, they have the city markets. And these people, they're people of color. And they're weaving these sweet grass baskets. They are the most beautiful baskets. And they don't even just do baskets. They do all kinds of things. They are the most beautiful things. And they do it by hand. They sit out there or they sit at their booth and they weave these just beautiful things by a fucking basket. Sorry, meanwhile, that's F word number two. I need a basket for my knitting. Yeah, they are like, the most I want beautiful one. and they're sturdy and it's a tradition that's been carried down for a very long time. And I, so yeah, when you see people doing things like that, please buy it, please support them because it's part of their culture and it's a craft. Yeah. So I kind of, I really went down a rabbit hole of tangents here. Sorry. I feel like I really helped with that. It's okay. <laughs> we really this kind of went off the rails a little bit but again in a, in a good way. Yeah. You no. Know. But with this being released on Black History, not on Black History yeah. Month, in like during Black, Black History Month. Yeah. Yes. I think it's very important to say these things. And I know we'll post it in February to the Facebook, but mm-hmm. there's a list of people of color businesses that you can help support and I think that would be great if we came together as a community and help support these businesses I know there's one that makes soap and I love soap I love bar soap I don't know why I'm obsessed with it but I'm really looking forward to purchasing some so we'll get a list together and share it yeah and then also too on that same note if you guys know a small business that you would like us to share, please let us know because, you know, it's a tough time for everybody. So we definitely want to not only highlight businesses owned by people of color, but also small small businesses businesses. in general. In general, we are supporters of small businesses and we want to help support them, especially right now. Oh, yeah. Especially right now. So now that we've had our little soapbox moment, (laughs) Callie. Yes. You want to tell everybody where to find us? Yeah. Hit you with some social media links. You can find us at facebook.com slash horrendous.podcast.podcast. Mm-hmm. Podcast. You got it. <laughs> Perfect. Instagram, same thing, horrendous.podcast. You can find us on Twitter at horrendouspod. And we have a Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash horrendous pod. We have not done anything with it yet, but our next sip and tell will be on it. So if you want to preemptively follow us there, then we have Patreon. 
Is there anything new with Patreon? There is not anything new with Patreon. Same old, same old. Okay. Five, ten, twenty dollar tiers. We also have the temporary thirty dollar tier, where if you, it's a limited, um, you know, has limited availability. Ten people. Once it, ten people are filled, we're gonna close it out, and then you will get a handcrafted item from Callie or myself. And, and that's kind of really pick an topic for an episode and pick a topic for an episode yep and then the $20 level you get a shout out and I believe I said pick a topic for that as well I can't okay. remember but you also get enrolled in the loyalty program where you get merch for a whole year every three months you get a sticker a mug a tote bag and a t-shirt that we designed ourselves and patreon yeah She's being generous. She designed them herself. Basically, I told Callie, hey, this is what I'm doing. Do you like it? And Callie's like, yeah, that's great. Because you're bossy and you can do whatever you want. At least I can do because she edits everything. So, yeah. So, that's that's all our socials. And then, well, I didn't give the Patreon social. And then starting at the $5 level tier to whatever tier you want, however much money you want to give. Yes, give us your give us your money. Give us your money. <laughs> Be our friends. You get access to our Discord channel and you can add us 24/7 although we sleep sometimes so we won't we respond right away. right away. We'll get back to you when we wake we, up. We will. So that is patreon.com/horrendous.podcast. Mhm. I believe so. If not, it's in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are over 400 listens as of this recording. Yes. That is amazing. We shared I we shared it on Facebook. Thank you guys so, so much. And we say it every episode and you guys are probably sick of hearing it. But this little podcast was just a way for us to talk about the weird stuff we love and to commit to talking more to each other. <laughs> And we really didn't think anybody else besides our moms and my grandparents would be listening. So to have 414, 15, 415 listens as of this recording is just beyond amazing. Yes. So thank you all so, so very much. I looked today. We have listeners in Poland, Finland, United Kingdom, Australia, Canada. And then I just noticed today with our U.S. listeners, we have listeners in Utah, listeners in Washington, Georgia, one in particular, Savannah, Georgia, which I love the city of Savannah. I think it's an amazing city. It's so beautiful. I've never been to the South, so oh, I'm sorry. Gosh. I'm sure it's beautiful. Yeah, I, there's a lot of beautiful cities. Savannah and Charleston are my favorite cities in the South. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, just it's growing and growing. And and I, I'm not gonna sit here and rattle off every location of people listening, but just know, like, we look, we pay attention, and we appreciate it so so very much. So thank you guys. Absolutely. And if you like us, tell, tell your, your friends. friends. Tell your mama, tell your friends, tell your grandmama, tell your daddy, tell whoever. Anyone you think would want to listen to us talk about things we love that we're passionate about. I hope that came, comes through the podcast that we are passionate about it. Please do that. That's the best support you can give us. Yep, if word you, of mouth. Yeah. If you can't join the Patreon, word of mouth is the best support you can give us. It's even more supportive than Patreon. Yeah. So- Thank you so much. And this has been horrendous. Bye. Bye.
While you're still here, I would like to tell you about two new partners that Horrendous Podcast has. The first one is The Mud Honeys, and they sell really awesome t-shirts and a lot of other things. All the shirts that they make, they print in-house, and it's really awesome. Check them out. The website is www.shopthemudhoneys.com. And use discount code BESTIES at checkout for 15% off. The second one is Malicious Women Company. And they have really awesome candles and bath bombs and cosmetics. All those things I love. Check them out at www.maliciouswomenco.com and use discount code horrendous10 for 10% off your order. We hope you love these companies as much as we do, and please be sure to check them out. Thank you.